0: Chapter 6 of Taking the Bastille. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Taking the Bastille by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter 6. On the Road. Pitu was spurred by the two most powerful emotions in the world, love and fear. Panic bade him take care of himself as he would be arrested and perhaps flogged. Love in Catherine's voice had said, be off to Paris. These two stimulants led him to fly rather than run. Heaven is infallible as well as mighty. How useful were the long legs of Pitou, so ungraceful at a ball, in streaking it over the country, as well as the knotty knees, although his heart, expanded by terror, beat three to a second. My lord Charney, with his pretty feet and little knees and symmetrically placed calves, could not have dashed along at this gate. He had gone four leagues and a half in an hour, as much as is required of a good horse at the trot. He looked behind, nothing on the road. He looked forward, only a couple of women. Encouraged, he threw himself on the turf by the roadside and reposed. The sweet smell of the lucerne and marjoram did not make him forget Mistress Billet's mild-cured bacon and the pound and a half of bread which Catherine sliced off for him at every meal. All France lacked bread half as good as that so dear that it originated the oft-repeated saying of Duchess Polignac that the poor hungry people ought to eat cake. Pitu said that Catherine was the most generous creature in creation, and the Billet farm the most luxurious palace. He turned a dying eye like the Israelites crossing the Jordan towards the east, where the billet flesh pots smoked. Sighing, but starting off anew, he went at a job pace for a couple of hours, which brought him towards Damartin. Suddenly, his expert ear, reliable as a Sioux Indians, caught the ring of his horseshoe on the road. He had hardly concluded that the animal was coming at the gallop, than he saw it appear on a hilltop 400 paces off. Fear, which had for a space abandoned Pitu, seized him afresh, and restored him the use of those long, if unshapely, legs with which he had made such marvellous good time a couple of hours previously. Without reflecting, looking behind, or trying to hide his fright, Ange cleared the ditch on one side and darted through the woods to Ermenonville. He did not know the place, but he spied some tall trees and reasoned that if they were on the skirts of a forest, he was saved. This time he had to beat a horse. Pitou's feet had become wings. he went all the faster, as on glancing over his shoulder, he saw the horseman jump the hedge and ditch from the highway. He had no more doubt that the rider was after him, so that he not only doubled his pace but he dreaded to lose anything by looking behind but the animal, superior to the biped in running gained on him, and Pitou heard the rider plainly calling him by name. Nearly overtaken, he still struggled till the cut of a whip crossed his legs and a well-known voice thundered. Blame you, you idiot. Have you made a vow to founder Yunker? The horse's name put an end to the fugitive's irresolution. Oh, I hear Master Billet he groaned as he rolled over on his back, exhaustion and the lash having thrown him on the grass. Assured of the identity, he sat up, while the farm reined in Yunka, streaming with white froth. Oh dear master, said Pitu, how kind of you to ride after me, I swear to you that I should come back to the farm late. I got to the end of the double louis Miss Catherine gave me, but since you have overtaken me, here is the gold, for it is yourn, and let us get back. A thousand devils, swore the yeoman, we have a lot to do at the farm, I don't think, where are the sleuth hounds? Sleuth hounds, repeated Pitou, not understanding the nickname for what we call detective police officers, though it had already entered into the language. Those sneaks in black, continued Billet. if you can understand that better. Oh, you bet that I did not amuse myself by waiting till they came up. Bravo, drop them, eh? Flatter myself, I did. Then, if certain, what did you keep on running for? I thought you were their captain, who had taken to horse to have me. Come, come, you are not such a dunderhead as I thought. As the road is clear, make an effort. Get up behind me on the crupper and let us hurry into Damartin. I will change horses at La France, for Juncker is done up, so we can push ahead for Paris. But I do not see what use I shall be there, remonstrated Pitou. But I think the other way. You can serve me there, for you have big fists, and I hold it for a fact that they are going to fall to hitting out at one another in the city. Far from charmed by this prospect, the lad was wavering, when Billet caught hold of him as a sack of flour and slung him across the horse. Regaining the road, by dint of spur, cudgel and heel, Juncker was sent along at so fair a gait that they were in Damartin in less than half an hour. Billet rode in by a lane, not the main road, to Father Lefranc's farm, where he left his man and his horse in the yard, to run direct into the kitchen where the master, going out, was buttoning up his leggings. Quick, quick, old mate, your best horse. He hailed him before he recovered from his astonishment. That's Maggie. The good beast is just harnessed. I was going out on her. She'll do, only I give fair warning that I shall break her down most likely. What for, I should like to know? Because I must be in Paris this evening, said the farmer, making the Masonic sign of pressing danger. Ride her to death then, answered Lefranc. But give me Juncker. A bargain. Have a glass of wine? Two. I have an honest lad with me who is tired with travelling this far. Give him some refreshment. In ten minutes the gossips had put away a bottle, and Pitou swallowed a two-pound loaf and a hunk of bacon, nearly all fat. While he was eating, the stableman, a good sort of soul, rubbed him down with a wisp of hay as if he were a favourite horse. Thus feasted and massaged, Pitou swallowed a glass of wine from a third bottle, emptied with so much velocity that the lad was lucky to get his share. Billy got upon Maggie, and Pitou forked himself on, though stiff as a pair of compasses, The good beast, tickled by the spur, trotted bravely under the double load towards town, without ceasing to flick off the flies with her robust tail, the strong hairs lashing the dust off Pitu's back, and stinging his thin calves, from which his stockings had run down. End of chapter 6